So good morning, good afternoon. I'm Bill Connor, and you've reached the Digital Shop Talk Radio, uh, where we gather at um, 12 o'clock Central Time on Wednesdays to have our panelists come in here and, and help us understand um, what they're doing in the digital shop. Today, I'm here with Ken Anderson, owner of B&L Quality Auto Repair, LLC, and Uber, Autovato's very own Chief Innovation Officer, is out today. And so today on the Digital Shop Talk Radio, we're going to be discussing with our panelists workflow of repair orders as they go through the shop. I'm going to be asking Ken for some details so we can go ahead and get in this a lot deeper than we, we normally do on the steps and tools that he uses every day in his shop. Listen closely. You'll take away some solid information to put the digital shop to work in your shop. And as always, you learn from our guest panelists operating shops just like yours. So, Ken, once again, I'd like to go in and welcome you. We certainly appreciate you taking your time to go ahead and share with us. Yeah. And Thank you. As I said, I'd like to go ahead and do a little di differently. I'd like to go ahead and do this kind of a, a Q&A, and I'm going to anticipate some um, questions that I get asked all the time from um, people on the forum and other places. And, and let's go ahead and see if we can see how you do it and then um, you know, share some of your ideas with them. So one of the first things that, that comes up all the time, and I'm going to try and go through the process all the way from you know, when you take that incoming phone call from a customer all the way till when they pick up their completed vehicle from your shop. So one of the first things I get is that when a customer calls to go ahead and make an appointment, let's say that we've got a first time customer, do you go ahead and discuss your process with them in the fact that you will be doing a inspection so you don't take them by surprise? Um, we are practicing, we're working on that. We're not perfect, but yes, we try to give them a heads up that we do have a system that when they have the vehicle comes in that we will be contact them via their phone, via text message or email, their choice uh, in regards to, we'll be taking pictures, looking over their vehicle and sending them information about the repair uh, to them. And then we can discuss that. Uh, normally there's a small little, just a little snippet, let them know. Uh, and it, it generally will be reinforced because they will get their text message uh, reminder that they, they have an appointment. Uh, that does make it, it seems to kind of reinforce that once they get text message and they, oh, okay. And then they kind of expect it after that. So whether the customer calls on the phone and makes an appointment and, and drops off your vehicle in your Dropbox, or they come in and stand at the counter, you've basically got a process in place to let them know that your policy is every vehicle gets a vehicle health inspection and the, the results will be sent to them. So that way they're not taken by surprise. Right. They, they are given, yes, we give them a notice, let them know that it's going to happen and don't be alarmed. And you will be getting a, you might be in a word strange text. Um, it's not from our phone number, uh, but it does have our name on it. So please, you know, please watch for that. And most of them are very receptive to that. And so, you know, every now and then I, I know shops will forget to do that. And the customer feels like they're, they're, you know, taken by surprise that you're, you're going shopping on their car. Does that little bit of conversation, does that go ahead and help allevi alleviate that, that pain point that the customer has? It does. Uh, most of the time it does. It's depending on how thorough and how, uh, how, how in-depth you get with your inspections or what you send the customer, uh, that can possibly shock them. But honestly, in our case, we've not had that issue. Most people have been grateful to get what we sent them. And even if we did not give them a heads up, but they're still very appreciative of it. So they know for sure that inspections will be done. And right. so when you, um, you're actually a protractor shop, I know for sure, are you entering those, um, appointments in Protractor and then having them push over to Auto Vitals or do you enter them in Auto Vitals? What is your process to actually 
enter that um, appointment no matter where you put it. Excuse me. Sorry, Bill. Um, no that worries. was, we actually used, uh, it was it was a jump. It was a little bit of a struggle. Uh, we started using the uh, scheduler and protractor uh, because of some of the features. So everything is is pre, pre-built and pre-done in protractor, then that gets pushed over uh, to auto vitals. We tried to do cool. it the other way and it did not, it didn't work real well for us. So we have that way. It, it saves a lot of time at the front counter uh, because when the customer comes in, we type their phone number and some of the printed information in the schedule uh, electronically that acts as a reminder. There's no, no piece of paper floating around, it's all digital. And then when the customer calls or comes in, we pull up the notes from that phone call. It's right there on the ticket. The other questions I get quite often is that when you're taking appointments, do you take an appointment for only what you know they're coming in for, or do you go ahead and allow room for expansion based on the inspection? Does that kind of make sense? It does make sense. Um, I, I guess you did, did look at is making room for allowing the expansion off of the inspection just we try to have it a, a buffer zone throughout the day so that we do have uh, some of these vehicles that come through or tow-ins or you know unexpected you know we do have time allotted in our schedule for the uh, for the for first time these unexpected um, but there are days obviously you we get packed as well uh, and we end up having to reschedule them um, so but we still have that conversation where once we send everything to the customer and have that conversation with them most of them are very receptive to that as well an example might be that a customer comes in and they're an existing customer and, and you know that, you know, if they come in, their vehicle's broke and they come in and they're coming in for a brake inspection and you know that they're going to probably need a four-wheel brake job done. Do you go and schedule just for the brake inspection or do you just go ahead and, and say, your service rider say, you know what, they're going to have to have the whole thing, you know, based on they always fix their car and it's always trash when it gets here. Do you go ahead and assign a three-hour block or just the inspection and then um, get that knocked out? And then according to where there's a hole in your schedule, go ahead and, and you know, take that second shot at it. Actually, uh, as goofy as it sounds, we kind of do it both ways. Uh, but if it's a pre-existing pre customer uh, that we have a little bit of history with, we understand, like you say, they come in for breaks. Hey, last time we, know, we noted their breaks were down low. We just kind of set aside that amount of time for a brake job, planning on a brake job for them. Uh, if they don't need it, then great. Then we have something else to fill into that slot otherwise. But on something like that, we would try to plan the time to do the to do the work that we would that we've anticipated. So things like a brake job can be relatively easy, although there is a, a shortage of parts and stuff. But on, on some other things um, that you know it might be, you know, has some diagnostic testing or something that gets done and it might have you might have to go and hunt down OEM parts. Do you handle those the same way? Or do you go ahead and say that look, we're gonna get the testing and inspection out of the way first. And then when we're done with that, then we're gonna go ahead and find parts availability and find out where we've got a hole in your schedule to get you. That's pretty much with the way some of the parts are. Brain very diagnostic wise, uh, we usually plan an hour to an hour and a half for that vehicle to be here for the initial. And then once that's taken care of, we let the customer know that we'll go through, inspect it, uh, diagnose it, and then get an idea of what we need. And then let's see what our parts availability is. If it's ready, if it's readily available, then we can take care of them that day most of the time. If it's not, then we we make sure we can reschedule them and get the parts let and keep them in the loop when the parts get here. So another question that comes up real real often when you're dispatching repair orders is the order that you want things done in a repair order. So some shops say I want the inspection done first, 
Then I want anything that requires testing and diagnosis, then repairs and maintenance. And some shops say that, hey, anything that requires testing or diagnosis gets done first so nothing gets disturbed. And then the service or the technician writes that up and sends it to the service advisor. And then they go ahead and do the inspection next and so on. So, and they do that so nothing gets disturbed. Do you have a preference one way or the other on that process? Uh, usually it's better if we try, we've been trying to go through and make sure that we do the anything diagnostics first thing in the morning before we do anything else with it, other than taking a picture of the car, then we diagnose it, then finish up the inspection. Just for that reason, uh, we might, <coughs> excuse me, we might, we might disturb something and don't want to take that chance. But then, then the priority kicks into what the customer came in for at that point. And when you're loading your schedule for today, do you have um, a certain point of the day that you won't take a, a new customer in after? Because it sounds like you test, inspect, and diagnose things in the morning and then spend the afternoons mm -hmm. repairing. So do you have a certain point of the day that if it comes in after that point, that it has to go to the next day or another time slot? Generally, probably right about 1 32 o'clock. We won't bring anybody else in uh, because we are trying to, what we've been trying to do with our schedules are trying to get efficiency change up in the shop a little bit is do all of our inspections and diagnostic stuff in the morning. So the afternoon, the guys are just working and not being just, you know, not being interrupted. That way they have one car in the bay or two and they're just working consistently, not being interrupted. Is there anything else that you do differently at either that, that customer phone call when they drop off or drop off at the counter? Anything you do differently to go ahead and set expectations to the with the customer as far as what's going to happen through the visit? We talk a lot about a drop-off script and a lot of mm -hmm. places say, well, I don't like a script, but do you have like a bullet point list that your service advisors really need to cover, you know, for each customer? They, we don't have a script per se either, um, but we do have, you know, it's just kind of a routine of what the uh, guys are doing. And generally it's going to be, you know, giving them the heads up about the getting contacted on the phone uh, via text or email, uh, whatever the, their prefer preference is. Uh, after that point, then we let them know that we're going to, we'll call them, let them know what we find and give them pricing. Uh, but generally speaking, we will drop them information first on their phone and then we'll do, then we will follow up with them. Or the, most of the time we don't have to follow up because they'll call us back once they get the information on their phone. Um, but that's kind of just a little, it's just a, a heads up because there's a lot of times we have people we don't they drop the car off and we never see them because it's all you know they drop it off before hours or after hours uh so a lot of this is to drop you strictly do going back and forth by text most of the time and then phone call you have a different conversation with a customer that's never been to your shop before versus one that's come in you know since you've been digital a little bit uh not a whole lot we do just let them know that we are uh that we are but we are a digital shop, so we do. We will be sending them things on their phone. Um, if make sure it's okay, and it's just the phone number. You know, get check with them. Most of them have a couple of questions, or they were just, or they're in shock or awe that a shop would be doing that, because uh, there's not a lot of shops in our area are doing that at this point in time. Uh, so they really are intrigued by that, and then once they get the, once we send it to them, they're, they're they like it. They they really enjoy it. So let's go into, um, you know, now we've got to the point where we've, we've talked about getting the customer in, getting the appointment, getting them dropped off. Let's talk a little bit about dispatching. There's, you know, two rules of thumb. Some shops like to go ahead and assign every technician in the point of sale, in which in your case would be protractor. Or the other rule of thumb is 
I'm not assigning anybody in Protractor. I'm letting it go ahead and show up on today's vehicle page in a no tech column. And I'm going to dispatch from there. And of course, the reason behind that is a lot of times is that, you know, a repair order might get dispatched to three or four different techs before it actually lands on the one that actually does the job. So can you talk through your process and why you do it that way? We've, uh, when we went, since we're in Protractor, we do assign it. We don't assign them in Protractor. We let's leave it as no tech. It goes over and we use our auto vitals workflow. Uh, the reason is it's easier. The amount of information that shows up on that screen at a glance, you can look at it and suddenly you know, you know where everything's at. Uh, we also are planning, knowing what the vehicle is, uh, the, the guys do know the background. Uh, hey, this car's in for diagnostic, uh, whether it's a drivability diagnostic or an air conditioning diagnostic or what, what have you. Uh, then between our four guys, they're able to, okay, he's better at this, so we'll, we'll put this on him. Uh, and then they will, we try not to leave too many jobs in the, un, you know, the no tech column. You know, we do try to, to stack up our tech so they keep busy. They look at their tablets and see, hey, I've got five jobs today or I've got three jobs today. Kind of keeps, keeps, them, keeps them going. So in your case, your, your policy is basically is to keep that no tech column clean arrange the repair orders in the order that you want the technician to do them from top down. And I, there's another school of thought that you might go ahead and tell me what you think about also is some people say that, look, I'm going to leave them in the no tech column. My techs get overwhelmed if they see over one or two jobs to go in and, and work at. And um, so you, it sounds like that you do the other way that you really want them to understand what's coming and kind of get mentally prepared. Uh, we actually do both. We have an apprentice right now, and that's and so we uh, we kind of do a little more of the spoon feeding. So yes, his, some of his jobs <laughs> stay in the uh, uh, no tech column, so he'll get one or two. He gets work on to understand it. But the other guys and most and most techs in general, uh, at least the ones we've got here for sure, and myself when I was a tech, I prefer to see what my you know what my stack was for the day. And that kind of gets you in the right mindset, and it's kind of a little, mo little motivational. Because if you have two two jobs and they're done and you kind of start dragging a little bit, we've um, I mean, noticed that with our techs, we've been trying to change it up a little bit because uh, we switched guys. We were about a 50-50 where we keep two of the guys, we would spoon feed you know, off the no tech column, you know, one at a time, two time. Uh, and the other guys, we just, here's your five jobs for the day, get them done in whatever order you want. Um, and, and as far as the order goes, we're not always top down. We do use some of the smart markers. And if we have some that are urgent, uh, hey, this one needs to be done by noon. We put a marker on there so the tech pops up on their tablet. They know that has to be done first. Cool. And so let's go ahead and, and, and talk about, let's take a repair order that's got diagnostics on it. So you said that you really like your techs to do that first. Are you having them diagnose it, take all their information and getting it in the uh, shop eyes only note area for mm -hmm. the service advisor and then pressing the bell icon on that line so the service writer can start looking up parts or do you wait till the inspection is done also and have them send it in all at once? Uh, we do, well, depending on the vehicle, we do both ways actually. Uh, the first one though, yes, the diagnostic, they do immediately because that's what the customer's in for. We do the diagnosis, hey, it needs this, this, and this, send the bell, uh, send it over. So in our case, I do have a production manager uh, and he will start going through looking up parts, you know, acquiring what that is and then Usually they'll finish up the inspection and send that over because it only takes a few, you know, another five or 10 minutes after they've done with that, they'll send the inspection over and then he'll be able to, you know, get started. Already was started on the diagnostic part. 
and then if there's anything on the inspection found, then he can finish up on that and then and then send it over from there. So I get told quite often for shops that actually follow that process is they like to do it that way because normally if something requires testing or diagnosis, it means that it's going to probably need OEM level parts and it's going to take longer to find. So, you know, having the service rider be able to start doing that while the technician is doing the inspection just kind of gives the service rider that little bit extra time to work on it. It does. And it's also, if there's something, if we just, uh, I mean, all the shops have hit, the vehicle gets towed in for a no start. And sure enough, you're, you know, you go out there and what to do, it starts right up. Uh, there's no problem. You just turn the key and it goes. Uh, so sometimes you have an oddball diagnostic and trying that a couple times first thing early and then, then, hey, this isn't working. That gives the service advisor, uh, you know, the tech can let the service advisor know that, obviously. And then the service advisor can, can contact the customer and try and get a little bit more information of what the situation was, explain what's happening, so that we're not waiting until 4.30 in the afternoon and say, oh, well, your car's been running fine. We have nothing wrong with it. You know, if we hit the customer up early and tell them that we're not having any troubles, it starts great at this time, uh, what would, you know, try and get a little more information, then a lot of times they'll spill something else. Um, or, they'll, or they'll say, yeah, I don't know what happened. I'll keep it. You know. Cool. So we had a question come in, and let's see if I can go ahead and get this across um, properly. It said, when you're scheduling appointment in Protractor, how are you looking at that day's existing workload and resource availability? So are, are you looking at today's workload in Protractor, or are you looking at the today's vehicle page and you know hours assigned, hours completed, and so on on the today's vehicle page? We're actually looking at the schedule in Protractor. Okay. Uh, we've, we stack it up. Um, <clears throat> we kind of have a minimum. We're, we're shooting for about for, to bring in six, six to seven vehicles a day uh, right now. And that's so we kind of limit our appointments to that, keeping in mind what we have already. And then each day we compare that with what is an auto vital, what's our holdovers, uh, what are waiting for parts, what parts are coming in. And we try to adjust that. But we, but for as far as appointment taking, we base it off of what is in our uh, protractor scheduler. Cool. So when it comes to inspections, I know a lot of shops that they, they got general service guys, they try and have all their general service guys go ahead and do all the inspections and just have it kind of backed up by, you know, a, a master tech to come over and look and, and go ahead and, and give them that second set of eyes. And others say that, no, I really want everybody in our shop to do inspections. So what is your thought on, on that? What do you do in your shop? Uh, and us, we, kind of had the, the lower end guys doing all the inspections. Uh, reason being we got our ATEX are, are running and they're the ones doing the, the main load. I don't really want them to, uh, for one, I don't want to give across that yeah, demeaning. A lot of times you, you have a tech that's up, a, a high-end tech, it's demeaning many times to them. They take it that way that they have to do an inspection on a vehicle. There are the ones that understand why they're doing it and they're and they do it anyway. They just don't do it formally. With the tablets and everything, but usually our in this case our our starters like the apprentice. That's a good way for them to learn everything about the vehicle, doing the inspection. What's the leak? What's the definition of a leak? A seep? A, a drip? Uh, where and they start to understand the vehicles a lot better. So we prefer to keep it in our shop. We prefer to have the, I should say, the lower end guys do it and then the pass the work. If they run into something that they're not sure of, do they go ahead and ask one of the other guys to lay a set of eyes on it, or do they just go ahead and tag? there's a system problem here and it leads to a paid inspection on the system. Uh, depending on that, it'd be either way. Cause if the, I've got two buildings, two shops, uh, the, 
so that the inspector guy that's doing the inspection, if he runs across a question, he'll grab one of the other texts and, hey, just explain this to me. Uh, and that's not a problem. The guys work back and forth real well with that. Uh, but if there's a bunch of things are wrong with it, they'll say, you know, they'll go right off the bat and say, hey, this one, this is probably a little bit more than just a courtesy inspection. This needs to be deeper. And then they'll let the service writer know, and then we'll go from there. Cool. So on the inspection, when your guys are doing inspections, um, you know, one of the questions that gets asked is how long does it take them to do an inspection? Number two. And the second question that comes up is what do you view as proper documentation on something that's either failed or, or getting close to failed? Okay, good one. Uh, the times vary. We've been trying to get them down. Uh, and a lot of that is depends on how you build your inspections and you want to make sure you get your guys a good routine, but you want to be a logical, uh, logical route around the car for the inspection. Uh, so you're not going up and down all the time with it. You know, you want to be reasonable and work with the guys. That's one thing we worked with them to build the inspection because if we had a prior to going digital, we had kind of a routine down on how we inspected cars and we were doing it by hand manually, uh, writing, writing the stuff down. <clears throat> and so we just moved that over to the digital side, kept the guys comfortable. They bought into it a lot quicker. And when they saw how fast the digital start was, you know, they, you know, it made a big difference for them that way. They, the buy-in was much more, much more complete. Uh, but it honestly, it takes a good inspection will probably take about 20, 25 minutes. Um, if we go and if we do our full, we do have, we basically, we've narrowed it down on ourselves to two inspections right at this point in time. We have our big thorough customer pay, you know, we it's a full hour uh, and we go through the customer pays for it. We have a lot of customers that do, do buy that. And then we have our oil change or if, if we're already working on the car um, inspection, there's a quick courtesy inspection over some of the major, major, major things. If we see something, we make notes of it. Um, every car gets fit pictures though. It doesn't matter what the, we always have walk around pictures. Uh, initial pictures are always taken of the vehicle before it comes into the shop. Give me an example of what you would expect. Let's say that there's a, um, you know, the technician inspecting the vehicle, he's looking at it and you know, the, the brakes are, are worn out. Tell me how you would expect them to, to properly document, you know, that, that customer's need. How do we go ahead and document that in a way that the service advisor trusts the technician and the service writer can use that to educate the customer? Oh, we, that's, uh, everybody, everybody looks at brakes a little bit differently, uh, but we've got the, all the guys have got the little brake indicators, you know, little red, yellow, green uh, measuring sticks, if you will. Uh, they, so if we can get, luckily there are some vehicles you can peek through the wheels, the big, big open spaces, uh, they show that and take a picture of it on the brakes. <clears throat> if you have to take a wheel off, we take a wheel off. Uh, if you're doing it for checking the brakes and that way you can properly get, look at it right at the backside and put the measuring uh, gauge in there. And right off the bat, if it's red or yellow, or if it's yellow, uh, the customer knows, you know, it's bright right in the picture. And of course the, we modify the pictures afterwards, you the circles and the information of what the measurement is and everything else on there before we, uh, but it's trying to standardize it between all the guys, the measurements are the same. We're not saying it's uh, this thumb is this thick and his thumb is that thick. So <clears throat> they're different. So one of Automodel's recommendations is on the pictures is to go ahead and have, you know, area focus, which would be the arrow. And mm -hmm. then also use the text to explain what it is, what needs to be done and the reason why the customer should part with their money. Is that the same philosophy you follow or are you a little bit loose on that? Probably a little bit loose, but we've got a big, big, uh, big improvement now that I've got two guys in the front car. We just had some personnel improvements last year. And once we did that, we were just talking about this uh, the other day. Uh, and my service advisor started just over a year ago. He's 
started now with the other, with the other person up there, the production manager to help out. He is able to go through and doctor the pictures you know, properly. So that means cropping all of the garbage out of the back, uh, actually focusing on what the picture is supposed to be of, make sure the arrow's in the right spot, make sure the circle's in the right spot and has that description on the bottom of it. And once he does that, he noticed immediately the return on investment, if you will. Well, the customers were just way, you know, way more interested. Uh, the times shot up on our research time, customer research time. Uh, and there was a big difference on that. He noticed the return on that from the customer's standpoint. So do you think for the customer psychologically, we're just mentally moving them from a position of the service writer trying to sell them something to the customer actually educating themselves by what we send them and the customer arriving ready to talk about how much and how long? Do you think we're, we're mentally changing the customer's perspective? Uh, yes, actually, because there's a lot of, we've had some, uh, we've got a lot of comments along that line that the customers, and you can tell by when we see the research time shooting up and that you can tell they've opened it up again and looked again, or they shared it with somebody, uh, they're having their you know friend look at it. Uh, but then we had a gentleman come in and a perfect example was he worked with us uh, prior to us going digital. Uh, he was, didn't have to visit us for a couple of years. He had bought a new vehicle. He came in here a month ago, wanted to you know, have his vehicle checked over because he's going down south for the winter. He, and then we did all the inspections and did the digital work. And he just could not stop talking about how, how wonderful it was. He needed, a, in his case, he needed a U-joint, I believe, for that one. And, and we had pictures of it, explained it. There's a little video showed the play in the U-joint and we sent it to him. And he would just came back, just, he said he, he felt so comfortable. It was very clear, very concise. He knew exactly what he was gonna get, what was being worked on, why it was being worked on. He thinks it was, it just, he just could not stop talking about how wonderful it was. So you've kind of pointed out that it's a, it's a technician's job to kind of write the prescription, give the service writer the proper pictures and stuff to work with. It's the service writer's job to go and edit it. And there's, there's some people that think that as soon as it's edited, they need to send it to the customer right then. And we've got other ones that like to follow the honest one or the auto vitals process of going ahead and getting it edited first, building the estimate based on everything the technician found, you know, getting it estimated and then send it to the customer. So do you have a particular thought process behind which is your preferred way of doing it and why you do it that way? Oh, the preferred way is to say, you know, have everything ready. So the customer calls in five minutes and you're <laughs> tied up that suddenly you have an answer for them. Uh, so ideally have the estimate uh, done is ideal. Does it happen all that way all the time? No, it doesn't. Sometimes they, they get excited because they want the customer to start looking the stuff over and the service advisor, well, while they're looking over, I'll get the estimate worked up so they, they can start, you know, educating themselves, look at the pictures, figure out what's going on. And then that, there are times that that will suddenly the customer calls unexpectedly quickly, quicker than the 20 minutes that the timer has. And they'll say, Whoa, okay. I see all these things. Okay. Well, how much it could take? Let's, let's do it. And he, he you know, basically caught his pants down. Uh, uh, That's you know? <laughs> so it's, so we were trying to pressure and, you know, kind of different policy or pushing it to where we want to make sure the estimate is done before we send it to the customer so that we don't have any issues like that. Yeah, so if we remove that pressure from the service rider, they don't, they have that tendency not just to hit the low-hanging fruit, they go in and give them everything. Yeah. So when you send the results to the customer, you know, our preference is to go in and wait for that time to go in and pass. Um, some shops have a policy that if they don't see any motorist research time after 10 minutes, 
they'll send the customer a text message saying, you know, just testing the technology to make sure it works. But the goal is to get that customer to go ahead and call. So what is your process that you use? Are you, you 10 and 10, 20 or you just wait for the customer to call? You know, how does Ken do it? Well, we try, we definitely use a timer um, and 10 should not necessarily go to 20 minutes. A lot of times it will be uh, 20 minutes to 30 minutes and then there'll be they'll, the two guys will bounce off each other. Hey, did you, know, did you get a hold of so-and-so or did we heard from so-and-so? And if they see that the research time has been opened, you know, then they'll call or try and touch base and get a hold of the customer. Um, and there's, it's, uh, I haven't looked at the, if it's 50, 50 or not a lot of times, but the customer generally will call back most of the time on a lot of these. Um, otherwise they will call the customer and leave a voicemail as well. Uh, we have not done the, we have not done double text to check that they're, you know, getting the text. Um, but most of the time they, you can tell they were in a meeting there, something else had came up and an hour later, all of a sudden the research time opens up and they're, and then they'll call back, you know, they're not always available, readily available, even, even for a text message like that, they're not readily available. So let's talk about when the customer does call you back. There's a couple different schools of thought there. And um, some shops, you know, when I listen to a lot of recorded phone calls, the first thing the service writer says is, have you looked at the inspection results? And they get a yes or no answer. And then I've got another group of shops that's trained themselves to go ahead and have the inspection report open and they look at it and they ask the customer, what do you think about X or Y to go ahead and get the customer you know, a little bit of feedback and get the conversation going. So do you have a particular way that you've coached your staff to handle those incoming phone calls? And that's one of the areas where that's a, a work in process this year. That's one of our, one of our goals I would prefer definitely the second method where, Hey, you kind of, you know, you're testing that they actually looked at the results that you sent the customer uh, and you talk with them. But honestly, the, a lot of times the customer, when they call back, they already have questions about the picture when they call back. I mean, we, I would say probably about 25, 30% of the people that call, you know, they have not, you know, when we make contact, they have not looked at the, at the uh, information provided to them. Um, <clears throat> then once they mention that, or we talk a little bit, the, the service advisor immediately pulls the inspection up on his screen and starts going through it. Uh, so he has something to work with, um, but then, and also it lets the customer know at that time, this is also available. You know, we sent this to you on your phone, you know, then that's usually when they'll ask, did you, did you get this uh, message? Because there's a link in there that will show you all the pictures and you can see what we're seeing if you'd like. And many times, you know, from there, the customer, oh, okay, great. I'll, let me take a look at that when you get off the phone. Um, yeah, but once, once they go through that with the customer once, it seems like the, from there on afterwards, the customers, we send them something and they open it up right away and it goes like it should, nice and smooth. Cool. So now you've got your approval and it's time to go ahead and dispatch the technician. So now we've got several different things that can happen. One is all the parts might be available where it can get dispatched and done today. The second thing is, is that parts might not be available today. They might be a day or two or a week out. And the third thing is you might actually have some things that have to go to the machine shop and now you're depending on somebody else. So can you talk mentally through how you go through that dispatch process? Do you, you know, put something in parts order and hold? Do you put a smart marker on it, letting the technician know when parts might be in? You know, what does Ken do in those cases? Well, as far as the parts, that's what the, that's why we get the estimations going in parts availability. So that way, when the customer calls, we can say it needs such and such a part, but we, you know, there's none available in town. It'll be two to three days out. Um, so then we can, at that point, uh, reschedule or 
customer might want to leave their vehicle. It's hard to say, you know, case by case on that one. Uh, but we want to be ready for that. And if that's the case, the tag goes into waiting for parts. The tag will be, you know, we'll label it that. And then generally we'll throw a smart marker on there. I see uh, lately guys are getting a little lax on that. Uh, but there are a few times, you know, we do have some markers out there that, you know, parts are, parts will be shipped when, you know, when they're available, where they're coming from. Uh, that way we know as reminders for everybody, not just the tech. If it pops up on the text a tablet, he knows that, okay, that job's got put on hold. I'll go, I won't worry about that. Uh, and they'll get it out of the shop. If it's in the bay, I'll get it out and bring the next job in. You know, so that as far as the machine shop, same thing. If it's uh, if you're doing like a you know, head gasket or you know, engine work, uh, we do tell the customer right off the bat that, you know, we don't just put a gasket. We do send the, the heads down to the machine shop to have them checked to make sure everything's okay before we put them back on. Um, and so that we are at their mercy of the machine shop. So that will usually add uh, the, up here in our case, it's two to three days usually <laughs> to, to have that taken care of. Um, and we're just up front with the customer on that. And we make a note that we, we send in the, when day we drop it off, we make a note of it. Hey, this part was dropped off at the uh, machine shop and the date it was, and then expected in two days. And then we'll go and we'll take care and check up on it after that. So you did mention something that I'd like to go ahead and kind of get into a little bit deeper. You said that parts might be a couple of weeks out and the customer picks up their car. So do you just go ahead and leave the repair order open, put a parts order on hold and put a, a marker on it, get a deposit for the parts? Or do you go ahead and close that repair order out and open a new one? It varies with what, how much work's being done on the car. If they're in just for one thing, uh, if it's coming in for, obviously, if it's a, any kind of a large ticket item, there's a deposit. Uh, we're not, uh, especially when you just no return policies from some of our dealers that we have to deal with. Uh, so that we, that they want the customer to make sure they have some skin in the game. They're serious about it. Um, if it is, if it's, if they've got a whole bunch of other work done, uh, but they're waiting for a part on one last line, uh, it'll be two to three weeks before you get the part. We'll close that ticket out. They'll pay for it. And then we'll have, have a, another ticket open and waiting for the part to show up. And then we'll contact them when it comes in. Um, generally, we won't hold the whole ticket open, though. We will split it on the, in, this, in that case. If it's a one thing, uh, it's a little part, not a big deal. A good customer, um, they came in and they, you know, they did they say, uh, you know, oil change, rotate, and something else. And then and hey, fix this headlight switch or something. Um, and we got to wait for a few days for the headlight switch. A good customer will, you know, just hold the ticket open. They paid for it all at once. Cool. So now let's say we've we've. Got everything here. We got the parts here. We've dispatched it to the technician and they're working on it. Do you have them clock time on individual operations or do you just basically go by the, the time between how the tablet is open on a repair order versus the time on a repair order? Is there certain things you have them clock or not clock? You know, what's your process on that? Uh, we were, for a bit, we were figuring that out. That took a little bit, uh, struggled with us for a bit. Each line was, uh, as you said, it was like time clock. We, uh, we don't now, we've, we've settled on when they're in the ticket, that is the time punch on the whole, whole job. Doesn't matter if it's five or six lines. Uh, the only time that we use the timer is for some of the deeper diagnostics or wiring repairs, or we're trying to find you know, a particular, you know, an EVAP system issue. Uh, okay, guys, you're, if you're taking some part that there's really no set time for, how much time? Well, we were drilling bolts out of a broken exhaust manifold. Hey, push that button. That way, you know, you know, we took you a half hour, then we need to charge a half hour, um, that type of thing. So you're kind of going by our recommended best practice now. Basically, the repair order is open while they're working on it. If they switch a different vehicle, they press save and change, or they choose a tea time if they can't work on it. 
And then the, the things that we really want them to clock is anything that requires testing or diagnosis, time and material type jobs like rodent damage repairs and yeah. stuff like that. Exactly. And also if you do a labor time study for maybe a, a service package that you know is, is a repeating service package that you wanna make sure the technician time is fair and the charging the customer is fair. And then you know, a t labor time study, you would, we recommend to do it for a month for everybody in the shop export the data and then decide, you know, is it fair for everybody? So that's cool. Mm -hmm. And if we haven't done the time study yet, that's what we're doing the, the, on the horizon things for us to do is with a few, a few of the jobs, but that is one nice thing that this system does allow. Cool. And so now your technicians, do you have them mark jobs either partially done or done when they switch to a different vehicle? Do you follow our Dr. Pepper plan, have them make sure they, they mark their complete list at, at least at 10, two and four. So the service writer, can be proactive and call the customer without having to ask the tech. Um, what is your process on marking jobs completed? That is, uh, well, sometimes and it will be for any shop, probably a little bit of a struggle point. Uh, we, we're trying to get all the guys to, depending uh, if they stop on the job or when they when they stop working on that particular part of the job to move the slider, or you know, the market is is it twenty five percent or they halfway through it, and then if they then move on to something else, that way it pops up at the front counter. Does it, it doesn't always happen. A lot of times job will be all be done. And sometimes we're to we're finally get them to start. It's taken a few months for them to get muscle memory to start doing that every time. Just slide over and say, okay, I'm 100% done. I'm done. Uh, and slide it till it's, till it's 100% and then hit submit. Um, but that is, a, it's a little bit of a struggle. You give the guys, you know, they need to learn it. And it just takes a, a touch of time, a little bit of a So that struggle on. started a long, long time ago, back when they used <coughs> paper repair orders and tear off labels, you know, to go ahead and get the technician to put their initials on it, their digital signature. And go. so now we're just using them. All, all you have to do is just press a button. That's their digi digital signature. They're signing off on a job. Everything went well. And, you know, there's nothing that's going to go ahead and blow up in your face and so on. So we highly encourage the service advisor when a repair order comes in and the technician submits a complete that they go ahead and make sure all the jobs have, are actually got that full black circle in it. That digital yeah. signature is really important to go in and, you know, we want to make sure the technician is the one saying it's complete, not the service writer. Absolutely. And one of the things too, in my shop, I've got a bunch of younger guys that have not worked at other locations that did not have a time, a punch clock to, you know, like the old flat rate guys you used to, or dealership or what have you, you always had a little card you carried with you everywhere, <laughs> punch in and out, peel it, stick it. Um, but we did actually bought a time clock that did that. And, set it up for a couple of guys so they would understand uh, because they don't understand, you know, the, and you may have a younger guy that does not understand time. You know, it doesn't seem to grasp that concept. Uh, it is worth doing it. And we did the time clock at the time study and they started, it opened their eyes and then they moved over those two texts. Uh, now they moved over to the system and they, they handled it a lot better. No understanding why they're doing that. Uh, and a lot of times if you can explain it to your text, it makes it easier for them to understand why you're doing it. And you know, they start to, you know, they'll again a better buy-in on that. Cool. So now let's say the technician has submitted a repair order, they marked everything hundred percent complete. You know, the service writer opens it up, they get a task created saying, Hey, you know, review this thing and go from there. What do you have your service writer do to go ahead and actually finalize that repair order, get it back in the protractor, get all the technician assignments right and things like that? Well, first and foremost, I need to look at, uh, make sure the tech made notes. If the, especially the tablet, they can just talk and, you know, talk to text, 
uh, I've got a couple of guys that like to type, so they got typewriters. Uh, but all the tickets have to have notes what they did. Um, yes, we know you did a water pump, but still, yes, you replace the water pump, new part, old part, uh, but make sure there are tech notes of what work was done, what parts were used. If it wasn't, they'll send it back out to the tech and have him finish it. Finish Let me it ask up. something about that. So you're having them make these notes, and I'm going to make the assumption that after the inspection is submitted, the technician never makes any change to the inspection. All the notes and pictures for the actual services performed go on the work order labor lines that they belong to. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. correct. Okay. Once the inspection is turned in, it's done. Um, but the, everything else, we want them to document what they did. And that's what's nice about Autobiles, it actually works with work order. Uh, so we are able to have notes, pictures, especially of that rodent damage. Perfect example, they could dig into it, take a picture of it, and show the customer you know, how, what we had to dig into to find where the rodent was. So that's, that's really big. So you were saying you would take, take those pictures and you would actually go ahead and, and send the pictures and that work order section to the customer so they could see not only the damage, but they could better understand what they were paying their hard-earned money for? Uh, definitely for diagnostics. We, you know, in the diagnostic section, we want pictures. We find that, we send that to the customer. Um, and the, the, as the work order itself, um, generally, if the customer gets a whole copy of it, they will. But we have it on file that way. If customer asks a question, uh, then we can pull up the pictures and show them what we did. Or a lot of times the guys will just out of, you know, kind of out of pride. Here's what, here's the work we did on your vehicle. Here's, here's what got done and why. <clears throat> and that, that the response, that's pretty good. Honestly, a lot of folks are rather uh, surprised at what it does entail to work on their cars anymore. So your service writer, they're looking for these notes and then they go ahead and on the, on the customer notes, they make sure they're approved. And then did they use the work order update button to bring all that notes back into Protractor? Yes, they do all the editing within within Auto Vitals. Uh, they do the editing, take care of all of that, and then yes, hit the. In our case, they just hit the update work order button, and that will shuffle the text. That'll shuffle everything over to Protractor properly, and then the final closeout is they take care of it in Protractor. And so it also not only brings in the technician that was assigned to the job because you didn't assign them earlier. You know, you can dispatch it however you want to. It brings in the technician assignment, mm -hmm. and it also goes ahead and marks that job 100% complete in Protractor. So you got a big green bar there as a, yep. as a yeah. further visual for the service writer that hey, this thing's ready to go and deliver. Yep, and it'll and it's seems like the integration is getting a little bit better over time. Uh, some of the things have worked real well. <coughs> the actual uh, to have it to turn green, you know, from the red orange all the other color coding that happens in protractor when you push the update work order button vin number mileage in mileage out because that's up to the mechanics as well uh, they need to see we always have out mileage on everything uh, if it doesn't you know there's somebody you know they have to go get it um, but that is all part of you know the pictures the diagnostics the screenshots of the scan tool the battery test if we have that the, where what was broken what part was broken we're trying to get to be a standard uh, just like you used to back in the day when you did handwrites, you wrote a story of what you did, or hopefully you did, so that we have a full explanation for the customer why they spent the money, but also for us to stand behind the warranty of what work we did you know, down the road two years from now. Well, when the, when the service advisor is finalizing that repair order, are they also looking at the, the deferreds in Protractor and the deferreds in AutoVital and actually going ahead and, and making sure that they're preparing that next reminder properly. So, you know, make sure they don't have anything that's in the deferred bucket that, that they did today. You know, if you price a good, better, best, 
Do they go in there after the repair order is done? Do they go ahead and, you know, delete the one, the deferreds and protractor that are never going to get used? Um, you know, are they doing doing any kind of a verification at that point? That is something again. That's one of our working processes. It's, uh, but to, to help us with that, all of our inspections and anything that the uh, any jobs uh, that the auto vitals they, the guys find and push the button on automatically dump into the deferred section of protractor. So to, to, in order to work up the estimates, they have to go into the deferred section and that keeps everything cleaned up. They realize that if there's a duplicate or what have you, and that's helped us a lot because initially it was not that way. We were doing it where it was on the approved, automatically approved. So it was on the front screen. Once we started dumping it into the deferred section, it, it made the made it a whole lot easier and the deferreds are much more maintained. That's interesting that you brought that up. So, you know, our best practice has always been to let it land on a repair order, have it estimated, and then the service writer have to work to remove it. And you've actually, since that function is available now, you prefer to have them land on a deferred panel first, and then after they're approved, have them moved over to work order. Because that way we actually, the guys are having to, you know, they're not grasping the concept immediately. They sometimes they just delete the line. You know, delete delete that job. So throwing it into the deferred, it stays there. We have a little bit of a library, but it also means they now they understand the deferred work, and that again the service advisor is understanding what it is, works with that, and then can draw out that you know use that as our bucket to pull pull extra jobs out of. Okay, so now all this has been done. I'm assuming that your your last step is the service writer moves it over to waiting for pickup, <laughs> and at that particular point, um, you know it's going to send a text message or an email to the customer. Uh, also, if you're using text to pay, it gives you the a task to go ahead and send a payment reminder. So my question is, are you using um, the auto bottles text to pay through 360 payments or are you using a different method? Uh, we're actually not using any text to pay. Uh, okay. We took us in our case, we were looking at doing that. Uh, and we, we even our current provider, we were able to do we could even do a website have the customer could go on the website and pay. Uh, never got used. Uh, nobody was interested in that. Uh, so we also asked, we took a survey for about two, three months of asking some of our customers if we could text them, would they like that? And we had about a 1%, 2% return said yes. So we have not made that jump yet. Um, yeah, so there are will, different things in different markets for sure. That's, that's, yeah. um, and it's so, a good idea. We'll be moving to that eventually, though, I have a feeling. And so do you have a specific, delivery conversation with the customer over the phone, you know, to go over what you did today to build value into it or, you know, what they're picking up the counter. Do you do a recap of the services today and, and give, let them know that they'll be getting a reminder for the next service visit or set an exit schedule for next appointment? What is Ken's um, philosophy and process today that's ever evolving? Well, it's kind of the crystal ball. Uh, it doesn't always work like it's supposed to. Uh, but no, most of the time the customer comes in, if they have a moment, um, for the ones that do come in, if they want, would like to review what was done today, they'll say, yeah, I'd like to know. Then they'll take the time and go over everything, uh, bring up the pictures. Uh, there's other ones that'll be, I have, oh, I got a couple of minutes, so we'll just touch the points that we did. And then we'll, they'll take care of the payment and then we'll say, offer to send them a copy with all the pictures of the work order you can look it over at your convenience. Oh, I'd love to have that. Why don't you send that to me? Um, that's one thing instead of just printing out a piece of paper that has the words on it. Now, uh, in some cases, we do print out the whole inspection and all the pictures because some folks, we do have a, a number of folks that don't have internet or don't have you know, that capability. So we will print it out for them. They look at it. They like that. Uh, but the majority of our customers do have 
uh, they, they don't want a copy of all the pictures and everything else. They want to look at it. Um, and then if some of them say, nope, you have a copy of it, I'll be fine, no worries. Uh, and then they come back later, they ask, what did you do last time? And we can pull it up and show them what we did last time. So it's kind of a little bit, and as far as the schedule of the exit appointment or the next appointment, you know, we're not quite up to the dentist uh, office level yet by that, by any means. Um, but if they do have some work, we know there's some parts coming or they deferred the work, uh, we, they'll have the conversation and set them up, set up a time for that with them. Yeah, that exit scheduling is kind of like the last frontier. And, you know, with the technician <laughs> shortage we have and things like that, you know, we have to start thinking about telling customers, Mamre, sir, you know, there is a shortage of technicians in order to make sure that we can provide you the type of service that we really want to. We'd really like to go ahead and schedule it now and you can move it if you have to, but we really like to go ahead and reserve time for you now and, um, and do that. So you're giving them a valid reason to do it, but that is definitely the last frontier and the shops that actually get that down to science. Um, they, they love it, but you know, it is, um, it, it is a little bit of a challenge to go ahead and change the mindset. It's actually a mindset of yourself and your staff because you'll find that a lot of customers, when you do that, they're used to doing it in other areas anyway. So it's, mm -hmm. it's just a little bit different. So we're getting down to the end here. So is there anything else that you're doing different, unusual, anything that you'd like to share as far as, you know, what would you tell other people to go ahead and things to look for, maybe some struggles you've had and how you've overcome them or you know, maybe talk about, you know, do you have a morning meeting to go through some things and what they are, you know, anything that, that Ken would like to go ahead and bring up and share that would be of value to somebody else? We've, we've tried to, over the last year and a half, two years, we've been trying a variety of things. Uh, we were trying the, uh, the morning huddle, if you will, uh, talk to everybody, kind of touch base, all the text, but we, we have a staggered time shift, so that doesn't always work. Uh, we tried that for a little while. And uh, it's, it's, you know, mixed bag, but we do, we are doing uh, a regular weekly meeting uh, Tuesday. You know, we actually at 10 o'clock Tuesday mornings, everything gets shut down. And we have a half hour get together uh, and discuss, you know, ideas back and forth, workloads, all that type of thing um, that comes out. That's actually working real well with the guys. Um, then once a month, everybody has to bring in an, a suggestion or an improvement, a policy change or, uh, you know, procedural change. Some, hey, this, we're, we're having some trouble with this. Um, that type of thing, they all, everybody speaks up, you know, we're, it's a pretty open uh, shot, uh, shop and generally I've opened our policy, you guys see if there's a problem, uh, we've worked together. If you're kind of getting back to some of the goofiness, uh, when we went onboarded with auto vitals, uh, we did not do the normal way uh, that, so don't be afraid, you know, there's multiple ways to, of onboarding. The biggest thing you can do is have buy-in with your, your techs first, that's the uh, once they're on board and your service advisors, the techs kind of convince the service advisors in our case, uh, because they, they love the, not having to write, not having to type, because there's not a lot of uh, techs don't exactly aren't literature majors by any, by any means. You know, I never was when I was a tech either. Uh, but just to be able to, to talk to text uh, when they were just, they just blew their minds. You know, they have a tablet. They just start talking. Is it perfect? No, uh, but it saves them efficiency just jumps up immediately. Um, take the time if you have an integration. In our case, we use Protractor. Um, I do understand, I think Techmetric and uh, Shopware does it very similar uh, that you do have the options when the guys are doing the inspections that save yourself a lot of hassle. It takes a little bit of time up front, build your jobs so that when they push that button, hey, it needs an air filter, the air filter lines on the ticket. That suddenly 
there's no question, no doubt that the, you know, the job that the tech is the eyes of the service advisor, service advisor not out there looking under the hood. Am I hearing you say that you started out your staff going ahead and doing the work orders on the tablet first, and then you added the inspection? Yes, because we were already used to doing the, all the work order part of things. And that's one thing AutoViles brought to the table that we did, couldn't have before, as we did not start doing the inspections. We kind of kept those the way we were. We had a process for how the techs worked with the work orders in our old point of sale system. And that meant they had to type, they had to you know, write notes, somebody else had to type it in, whatever. Um, but once they, once they got onboarded with the work orders, it was a huge difference. Um, they, they just really, really uh, uh, took off with it and overran our front office, right, efficiency-wise. We were, it How was long really- How did it take them to go and get used to doing just the repair order? Days, weeks, months? Honestly, it was the first week. It made some big improvements. There was a lot of you know foot dragging, that type of thing. Uh, it actually two to three weeks really would be probably the best way to phrase it. The techs, the, they don't want to give it up. Uh, uh, you will have some of the old guys or somebody who does you know afraid of technology, doesn't want to deal with the technology. Uh, but honestly, everybody else has grabbed onto it and love it because it makes their job and their life a lot that much quicker and easier. And really the efficiency, they're spending more time working on vehicles and less time writing stories. And it works a lot better for us. Awesome. So a question come in, how can I get a recording to this? I want to share it with my crew. And the answer to that is, is we go ahead and post these on the Facebook forum. And we also post them on the autobottles.com auto forward slash radio uh, shortly after this is. And the other question they had is how can they get in contact with Ken and follow up with him? And the easiest way to do that is to go ahead and join the Digital Shop Talk Facebook forum and then go ahead and, and you know, search for Ken Anderson in there. And, um, you know, we'll go ahead and when we post this episode in there, basically, um, you know, Ken has actually joined us for some other episodes. So um, he's always been open to go ahead and either asking questions or sharing his opinion. So you can get, get some of Ken either way. Yeah, either way, a personal uh, hit me up through Facebook would probably be the easiest way to go. Uh, the, the PM through Facebook, no problem. I'll, I should be able to, most days it's open because I'm on the shop dock or, or on the auto vitals or protractor uh, forums all the time if I have questions or looking up answers. So you can get me there. Awesome, Ken. So I certainly appreciate you joining me this way. And I actually, I really like this particular format and I, and I hope we can do more of this with some other shop owners to go ahead and actually you know, pick their brain and get some really deep details out of them, of not only of how they're doing things, but, you know, maybe even scratch out of their head why they're doing it that way. Uh, and every shop's a little bit different. So what works for us, you know, we're all going to the same, same end, same means, means to an end here, uh, but we're all doing, going the same direction. And it's uh, the information that I've learned off of Autobiles over the last couple of years has been, you know, they've, you know, it, it's been mind opening and it's made a difference for me, for me and my shop as well. So that being said, we're down to the end here. I'd like to invite those that are uh, joined us live to go ahead and, and actually share this um, recording with others when it's available by going to autovitals.com forward slash radio. I also encourage you to join us live. Um, I'd love to go ahead and get questions in live that we can answer on the air. Um, it also helps our panelists go ahead and sharpen up their um, thinking cap also. For those of you that prefer to go and listen to these podcasts, if you go to your favorite podcast uh, platform and just search for the Digital Shop Talk Radio, you can find us that way. The other thing is, is that find another shop owner in your area that might be struggling a little bit. Maybe um, 
you know, seek out those low price leaders in the marketplace and, and, and point them out to autobottles.com forward slash radio, have them go ahead and, and get in there and listen to some of these recordings from shop owners just like them that have kind of cracked the code and have actually started to go ahead and, and run some really, really high quality businesses. So that being said, again, Ken, I'd like to thank you for those that have joined us live. Uh, thank you for the questions. And I'd like to tell everybody to go ahead and um, go out there and, and make some money and while your customer is in the process. Absolutely. So once again, Ken, thank you and you have a great day. Thank you, Bill. Anytime, anytime, glad to. Yep, glad, <laughs> glad you volunteered. We'll thank do you, it Bill. again. Bye. We will. Bye-bye.